The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I've absolutely enjoyed every week with you as I get to have deeply personal conversations with my guests about their lives, the major decisions they've made that have gotten them where they are, and what their journey means to them as a human being. And I get to share all of that with you. The world of work is really important to me, not just because we spend a good third of our lives there, but also because many of us hunger for meaningful work we can really put ourselves into. I talk with people all the time who tell me they desperately wish they knew what it is they were supposed to be doing, but they just don't know, but would love to. They express regret and consternation that fulfillment at work just isn't there. But also at the other end of the spectrum, I find people who are deliriously happy with their work and thank their lucky stars they have it because it brings them profound meaning and purpose in their lives. So this show is meant to bring you guests who are living in that ladder camp in the hopes that you can gain some useful perspective or idea about your work and how to navigate your own life to a greater level of fulfillment. So this week, our conversation is with Erica Jacoby. She is the founder and CEO of LC Global, a consulting organization that leads people and organizations through transformational change. She has been on an intense journey herself to more deeply identify and live her values, which she'll be sharing in our dialogue. I met her, I'd like to say I picked her up along the way, if you will, last December when both of us were attending the International Conference on Management Cases in Delhi, India, and we were both presenting our own research there, and so that's how we actually met. And I came to understand that Erica is interested in identity and the process of, or journey of becoming who we are, realizing our values, and making our dreams come true. And I thought, we've got a few things in common. You should be on the show. So welcome, Erica, to the show. Hi, Elise. Thanks for having me on the show. I have so many things I want to get out of you in the short time we have together here, so I've got lots of questions here for you, and I'm looking for as much detail as you're willing to share with us on the show here. Um, so to get us started here, I know there's lots to, to delve into, but can we just start with a little bit of history with you? I know that you were originally from Germany, and you had a successful business there. Um, can, tell us, if you will, about this business and how you got it started. What's your background, if you will? Sure. Well, as you already said, I'm from Germany. I was born and raised in Germany, and um, my first career was really in languages, so my first business was a language school, and we were catering to um, huge organizations, um, global players in Germany, and we were doing on-site language training courses, and from there... I took the company to be a learning and development company, and then we also added um, leadership coaching, executive coaching, um, team building programs, and uh, programs as such to the program. 
And the company became bigger and bigger, and after a while I also had accounts in in the U.S., and that's how it all started, um, that I thought maybe there is something else out there, maybe there is something better out there, maybe I'm not done with my personal journey yet. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I want to hear about that journey. But to kind of kick us off here, one of the things that's kind of fun is I, I, I had a lot of fun with the show title here, which is, of course, do you have what it takes to make your dreams come true? <laughs> so I know a little something about your history, and I know that you've made some amazing changes in your life. Before we get into some of the, this actual journey that I know you're going to share with us, what do you think it takes to make one's dreams come true? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I often think maybe I don't know what it takes to make your dreams come true, and uh, the only thing I know is it's probably not as easy as it all sounds. So I think maybe the first thing that you really need to know in order to make your dreams come true is what is your dream. And um, that was seriously quite a bit of work for me to find out what is my personal dream, where do I want to take my business, where is my personal development, what is my purpose. So I think uh, maybe the first step of making your dreams come true is actually finding out what your dreams are. And that might be a longer process than many of you could maybe imagine. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's true for a lot of people. I think it takes an awful lot of hard work to really discover your purpose, which is probably partly why a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. That makes that makes sense, or what their dreams could be. Well, along yeah, those lines, agree, yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead, Erica. You want to say something else? Yeah, I mean that's really also my experience. For example, when I coach people, um, and that can be private people, executives, a lot of people really share that they are sort of stuck in a rut and that they do the same work over and over again. And it's very often very successful work, but there is this nagging feeling that maybe there is something else out there. And then I also find that some people don't even allow themselves to to dig down deeper to see whether there is another hidden dream because it means you have to make hardcore changes. So sometimes it might even be more convenient to not even look into that pocket, right? Um, so I absolutely hear what you're saying. Well, in fact, to that to that end, Erica, one of the things that was really interesting about the research that I did, you and I spoke about it in India briefly, you probably don't remember all the different things that I came up with, but one of the modes of engagement that I came up with is really has to do with sort of this apathetically wanting more, meaning that people were aware in that mode of engagement that they that the work wasn't all that they wanted it to be, but they weren't motivated enough to really make a make a change to, to in order to influence the way that they were experiencing it in a more deeper or profound way. So apathy does play into this, right? I would say it really, really does. So I think in a way dreams and change willing Willingness to make the change are really deeply connected. And um, now my work is to lead organizations through change processes. And I find we usually, when we're talking about collective organizations, we usually find two things, either the same what I described before, we don't even want to look what what's out there, we want to stay where we are, or an endless journey of let's change things, let's change things, let's change things. But I really think... Um, to pause and look 
what is your identity, what is your purpose, whether it's as a person or as a collective, as an organization. The question is, what what really makes us alive and where can we give our best? And uh, then sometimes you really have to do some soul searching and really find out what your identity is is composed of and how you can pursue all of these things in order to to drive things further and really make it a sustainable change and a change that's really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kind of peel back some of your own layers, if we can, Erica. One of the things that I find really intriguing about your story is that it starts at least along the way, and it's not the very beginning of it, but it does have a component there when you began making the shift to a deeper purpose, which really began with that realization that your identity was shifting to wanting to become more of a scholar and pursuing a PhD. So will you say more about that awareness and kind of how it came to be and how you're navigating that life process change through it? Yeah, um, I'm not sure how exciting the answer is. It was really very, <laughs> I was doing my thing in Germany. I, I was running a company and the company was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Things were fine. And then all of a sudden one morning I literally woke up thinking um, I would like to get my PhD in organizational development and psychology. And then that sentence was out there, that thought was out there, and ever since I've been pursuing that. I'm not even sure whether that is a dream, but it is a thought. And uh, I think at one point I started the journey of making sure that that thought would come true, that that thought would uh, become reality. And that's what actually my research now is also about, how we can have productive thoughts that we can really then materialize and, and make sure that they that those thoughts that keep us to a better end and to a better um, result, that we actually make them true. So it's mm-hmm. almost from thought, from dream to thought to doing, um, which I find is the, is the journey. And it started for me with literally waking up thinking I want to get my PhD in organizational development and psychology, and that's what I've been pursuing ever since. And then the rest sort of falls into place. It's not Mm -hmm. that easy, but the the rest, the decision-making follows the thought, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But before that decision-making part, which I want to really get into, because I think a lot of listeners can really appreciate and relate to this, Erica, I have appreciated the realness with which you talk about this creeping unhappiness that you've experienced over really not feeling challenged enough in your life and your work. Um, can you help us understand, you know, how you came to understand this feeling and what did you do to kind of get through it or address it or make sense of it? Yeah. Um, as you said, it was really things were going well. I had a nice career. I had a good career, a flourishing company. Um, a nice organizational culture, nice organizational atmosphere, things were really, really fine. But as you described it very well, I had that creeping feeling coming up in in me that, I don't know, I was getting slower a little bit. I was thinking I was not enjoying going to work that much any longer. Um, and mind you, this was my own company, right? So right. I felt something is really wrong if you are not enjoying going to your own company that much any longer. Um, and I think the the verbiage that much, that's almost a problem. Um, if you don't enjoy it at all, then you will make a switch, right? But if 
if you think, well, I established all of this myself, what is actually wrong? And I'm still going there, and I'm still enjoying it, just not as much any longer. And to sort of dig deep into the what does that actually mean? How would I enjoy it more again? What would give me more energy again? I think that was really the the journey. But it was it was really slowly creeping up on me. So there was this slow feeling, although things are really going very, very well, um, I have to make some changes. And I think from there, I literally took breaks. And, um, you know, I did some meditation. I, I took some time off to think to think deep and to talk to people. I, I talked to many, many people, uh, all my wonderful friends. Um, and you're trying to understand, or I was trying to understand, what is it that is actually making me not quite so happy any longer and wh- what would be really, really good changes so that I actually get to the other side again and um, enjoy what I'm doing. And I think the first the first thing to notice for me was, because I think as of then it all comes down to personal values, for me I found out um, that for me one of the, the strongest values is that I really, really usually want to enjoy my work. So meaningful work is very, very important for me. My work has always driven me in my life. Uh, I have always Make you know I have always made uh, things come true. I'm a doer, um, so that's why being an entrepreneur was always so great for me. And uh, all of a sudden, to think, hmm, how can I live this in a different way? So it was a long surge of what are my personal values, and um, so I found out I have to do things, I have to do new things. That's uh, some of my personal values, and the other thing is really that I'm deeply committed to lifelong learning. So at one point I knew uh, even if I do things, even if I get to be the doer in the very entrepreneurial way, I would not be happy if I don't continue in my journey as a lifelong learner. So that's, I think, where the PhD comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know what I appreciate about what you just said there, Erica, and I, I guess I can't be super surprised given what you just said there about you really are driven in your life to work and to enjoy your work and look for meaning in your work and that you're a lifelong learner. What you're describing in many ways kind of sounds, and I don't mean to uh, uh, diminish at all what it is you just said there, but it kind of sounds like a, what people describe as a midlife crisis. And I don't know if you experienced it that way or not, but... Um, when they do have those kind of moments of being in a midlife crisis, they often go buy a car. <laughs> they go on this crazy. They go on this crazy vacation. They buy this crazy new ranch out in the country. They uh, buy a fun-looking jeep. Uh, you know. And what do you do? You go get. You go get a PhD. So we all kind of respond differently to these moments. I did something similar, by the way, Erica. I got into my PhD okay. program for similar reasons, needing to feel and experience more. So we have that in common. And I just really think it's important to point out that there's these diverse ways to respond to the these niggling feelings, looking for more meaning and connection, that I think are really important to call out. And just what you narrated there is one end of that spectrum. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it's very important to notice that there is not that one answer, like this is how you make your dreams come true. Um, People have different answers. And let me assure you, I bought that car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you did, did you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) I bought that car. I went on crazy trips. I thought um, maybe it's time to to take a longer break. Uh, from, you know, I felt like I've worked so hard all my life. Maybe I can now, you know, as the CEO, take it easy just a little bit. And then you try this, that, and the other. And then you understand, and this is not it, at least not for me. I'm not saying that it cannot work for other people, but for me, it did not work. And again, we're not talking about a huge unhappiness, but it was this this just the feeling that there is something else out there. And I sometimes call that feeling potential. (laughs) If people Mm. feel that there are other opportunities out there that they have access to, and then they don't go for them, I find very often that that makes for a slow creeping unhappiness in the long run. Mm -hmm. It's totally fine if you don't have the opportunities, if if maybe you've maxed or wanted to to reach the limits of your uh, developing your potentials. But if you feel that something else is out there that you could develop your potentials more, then I think it makes you unhappy if you don't go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny, one of my friends uh, back in Germany er- once... Erica, Erica, before you go on with that story, just a sec, really quick, hold that thought. It's time for a quick break. Hold it. We're going to go for that story after the break. Uh, but we went on the air here with Erica Jacoby, who is the founder and CEO of LC Global. She's been sharing her experience about this creeping unhappiness that she's, she experienced in her very successful business and kind of how she came to respond to that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Domestic violence and abuse are experienced by both men and women in everyday life. If you have experienced abuse, know that you're not alone on your journey. Listen for Abuse Survival Stories presents I Reclaim My Voice with co-hosts Reese Zigazaga and Denise Watkiss. We'll speak with survivors who have emerged safe and victorious and who are passionate about helping others reclaim their voices. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here on the air with Erica Jacoby, the founder and CEO of LC Global. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Just before the break, Erica, you were about to tell that story related to um, potential and maybe, some, maybe someone that you know in your life. Go ahead with that story, if you would. Sure. Yes, I was just saying I believe that people can be really unhappy if they understand that they have other opportunities, that there is a lot more potential out there that they could go after. And one of my friends back in Germany asked me uh, specifically once, why are you doing the PhD? Why do you want to do that? And he specifically said, it's so much work, and why in the practically in the middle of your life do you want to do this? And I answered straight back, because I can. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that is that is so true for me. If I have a feeling that I can do something, that I'm able to do something, that I'm capable of doing something, I just want to see whether I still have it in me to do this, to pursue this dream. And that was my my driving force behind the entire thing. Again, it can be different for other people, and it will be different for other people, but I do believe there is a strong connecting factor between as mentioned before, identity, change, and potential. Mm-hmm. You know, you've just brought up a really wonderful memory for me that that came up for me in my research that I want to say real quick is that um, part of my research design involved, once I came up with the modes of engagement for the 115 people that I interviewed, I went back to each and every one of them and shared their individual results, why I thought they were in the mode that they were, et cetera. And then I asked them to describe is that right? Are you in that right mode? Is something changed? Are you in a different mode? Is there a different mode you wish you were experiencing, etc.? And the very last person that I had in the research was in a, a mode of engagement that was, you know, kind of in the middle, middle, middle tier. She wasn't unhappy, but she wasn't elated, and she was focused more on on the income piece than the fulfillment piece, which is certainly fine for a lot of people. But once I shared the results with her, she said, "You know, that's right. That is the mode that I'm in." But now that I see all these other possibilities, these other modes that you've discovered. I want more for myself, and I'm no longer happy. So what happened for her is she developed this whole new level of awareness because of that interventional moment being involved in the research that made her want more and made her, frankly, uncomfortable and unhappy with where she was. So in her case, she's making some pretty big changes in her life, going being the first to go to college in her family and to pursue a dream that she really desperately hopes will come true. And so what you just said there, Erica, I think is profound and beautiful because I think you're right. If you don't if you're not aware of a potential of something that you could do, then there probably isn't that motivation to change because it's you're not aware of it. There's no there's no energy there. I absolutely agree. And I also really think that it's totally fine for people to just stay as happy as they are, right? Um, When I work with organizations, I very often say it's not about making changes. It's about preserving what you're really good at and then see what develops from there. So this is really not to say that people have to pursue something 
else or something bigger or something quote-unquote better. No, this is not about that. I think if you are happy where you are, then I think it's wonderful. At one point in my life, I wasn't quite that happy with, with the choices that I had made so much any longer, and I felt I, it's time for me to, to pursue another dream. Um, mm-hmm. And that dream included a lot of hard work, so I'm not even sure whether you can call it a dream any longer, but uh, <laughs> it was just a lot of hard work. But I, again, I do believe change is not always the answer, um, and being happy where you are with what you have is a wonderful state to be in. But I think if people understand and are aware that they're not quite that happy any longer and then stay in that energy, that has the potential to to really slow people down. And that's, I guess, what none of us really wants. Yeah. Yeah, I could speak to that point there, but I want to draw more out from you while I've got in the short time that I have you. So one of the other things that I found interesting and just speaking with you as we were getting ready for this conversation today is you you do describe a certain phase of uncertainty that you overcame as you were grappling with your changing or evolving values. And maybe that's still happening happening for you today. But can you speak more to that? That's quite an interesting thing. The uncertainty piece, I think, is quite fascinating. Yeah, and I think that was really the hardest part of the of the journey, and to some extent it still is, because I really made some very tr- drastic um, choices. I moved to the United States, I started the PhD program, I founded another company. So it, it, in hindsight, it sounds so clear, but it was, of course, initiated by a long phase of uncertainty, not knowing... Um, what would happen, not knowing whether I would do all of this and for sure not knowing whether it would all work out really well. Um, in my case, wanting to to study in the U.S. and at the same time found a business and so on. So there were legal and visa issues involved and you have to make it through all of these. And um, it's, it's, of course, a level of increased uncertainty. And then seriously not even knowing whether you can pull all of this off, another level of uncertainty. But for me, the biggest level of uncertainty besides all those practical issues was really the question, which are my values? Um, There was quite a bit of uncertainty around that. And I think practically, and and that is a dream really, Practically, where I'm at now is that I do feel I know exactly what my values are and also how I can live them and and pursue them and make sure they get addressed and um, and and utilize all those all those values. So while the practical issues may not have come to an end. Like, uh, I don't have the PhD yet. Will I ever get it? Uh, will the business ever become really, really successful? Or even only questions as to how big do I want my business to be this time? Um, all of those questions I haven't maybe fully answered yet, or we're just not at that point yet. So there is continuous uncertainty, but I think life as such is full of uncertainty, so that's not unusual. But it is also within all those practical issues um, a journey of becoming 
increasingly aware of who you are and what you stand for and what you, uh, what, yeah, as your, as the title of your show says, what is your purpose? And so in a way, the practical uncertainties, if that makes any sense, have increased. The, the awareness piece has, in, on, on that level, the, the uncertainty has drastically decreased. So maybe that's a silver lining <laughs> um, for people. You, you will know more about yourself and about whatever it is that you're doing. You will get to know yourself on a, on a deeper um, level, on a different level, I should say. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned Erica that you know your values now, and and I'm, you mentioned a couple of things earlier. What are the values? Just just for grins and giggles, what are those values that you've come to realize are are yours and who you are? Yeah, and again, that's that's very personal. It doesn't have to be the same for other people. I think that's very important to mention. Absolutely, again. you bet. For me, it is. I love working. I, I love diversity. I love diversity. I like. Um, being in different places. I like speaking various languages. I like operating in a foreign language. Um, and for me, that was one of the, the issues, really. I, I wanted to live and work somewhere else where I would have to function in a different language. And um, I'm not sure whether it was necessary to, to write a dissertation in, <laughs> in another <laughs> language, but... Here we go. Uh, um, so that's one of the values for me. And then a really practical uh, thing for me is I, I wanted to be by the sea. I wanted to be near water. I wanted to live in a city where I walk more often than not. Guess where I live in New York City. Haha. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So all of those things really made me uh, come to a decision, really. So those are those are minor values, but they play out really big in my life. So for me, it's important. I need to be able to move around. I need to. I love being by the water. Just the, the mere thought of it. I love functioning in a different language because it's challenging. Um, I love challenge. Um, I love a certain level of chaos um, of that I then can organize and bring structure to. Um, lifelong learning, which goes along with the challenges and and development. So mm-hmm. and I also just really wanted to experience something something new. So I guess that I ended up in, in change management was was relatively logical then. <laughs> It, it all sounds to me like it's a perfect. It's the perfect mix of ingredients for the work. Um, I have to ask you, and I was going to ask you this before, and I forgot. What languages do you speak or know? Oh, the, I, I get that question a lot. I always think it depends on what you call speaking a language. By now, I think sometimes, sometimes I think I don't speak any language any longer. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I obviously speak German, and I think I get by in English, and I speak some rudimentary. Um, Italian, French, and Spanish, but I wouldn't be able to carry on an interview like this in, in those languages. 
Mm-hmm. I understand. I, I have to ask because I too love languages, and you and I share that love of going someplace different to experience experience the novelty of that and have a requirement to be able to interact, you know, in their culture, in their language. I love all of that as well. You and I have very much that in common, and actually many things, which is kind of making this conversation fun for me. But part of the reason I ask you that question about the values, Erica, in case you were wondering, is what I've learned in my own research is that when people can hear other people's values. One, it's kind of energizing for them to hear someone else articulate their values like you just did. And two, the importance of somebody, your own self being able to articulate your values is so, so important. And so I wanted, I knew you could do that. And I wanted the listeners to hear how you did that because there's value and power in being able to do that. So thank you for going through that exercise with me. And if I could quickly interject, I, you mentioned at the beginning that people either buy cars or go on those <laughs> fancy trips. And I think, for example, that a new language, if you have to operate in a different language, it opens up new worlds. And that's why people seek that solution, I think, in, during a midlife crisis, to just say, hey, I want to experience something else. I'll, I'll go to Argentina. I'll go to uh, Spain. I'll go to Italy. I don't know. You name the country. And just have that uh, wonderful trip I've, I've always dreamt about. So I think it is a legitimate um, solution for, for wanting to experience something, something new um, and then you just have to really understand whether this is also a value that matters to you so much that you want to make life-altering changes, which it was in my case. I mean, my first, my first uh, master's degree is in languages, and I, I already, you know, grew up with with various languages and in different cultural settings. So for me, this was a value that plays into my identity, and I knew going on vacation would not be the fix I would need. Um, so for me, it was – so I think the, the question is, when we're talking about values, um, experiencing something new and and maybe functioning in another language could be a value for many people, but the question is how – Deeply does that value really matter in your life? And for me, I think languages and operating in, in various cultural settings and so on is an identity-shaping value. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to find out in my eyes. What is that identity-forming value that really, really matters to you? And if you don't see it, if you don't see it addressed, then you, you really suffer a little bit. And then you know it has to do with your identity. It's not the vacation thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the language thing is so interesting. You you didn't accompany us that, that, that I think it was about 10 of us that joined the group to go down to southern India after the Delhi conference, but I was part of that group, and, and I took tremendous pride, Erica, in learning about 25 new words in Tamil, which is what they speak down down in the southern southern region there. And, the, of course, the locals loved it, right, watching this very fair-skinned person speak their, their language. And then I've been able to find people here in the States who speak Tamil. And when I, when I say vanakam to them, their eyes light up, and I absolutely love that. It is totally a part of my identity. So I completely agree with that. It isn't for everyone, but it is for you and I. And it's a strong thing for me, too. So I love that you spoke about that the way that you did. I, I'm surprised I didn't ask you earlier about your languages and such. It's fascinating. 
And I do remember the sari that she bought. That was also very nice. So I also think, you know, we, we, we do different things when we operate in, in different cultures. So it's, it's the language, and each and every language, I think, um, shapes or, or works with cultural norms. So I think uh, I only recently read... Um, research that indicates that people really, really think entirely differently in another language. So for people that are bilingual, they, they, they think differently depending on which language they, they choose to operate in. So I thought that was really fascinating. And then, of course, it also comes with wearing maybe different clothes and um, and doing different things, developing different habits. So that can be really, really a life-altering experience. But I also think I, I have to throw some caution out there. In my eyes, um, changing a place is usually not what brings about the transformation or the desired change. Um, so I think if it's like, oh, if I just go to Europe or if I just move to the United States and then I'll be happy, I think that's cutting the dream really, really too short. So I think... I, I agree. Yes, I agree. Hold that thought, Erica. Time for a short break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Erica Jacoby, who is the founder and CEO of LC Global. After the break, I want to hear more about the work that you're doing within LC Global. Stay with us. Tune in to Lou Augusta's A Rumor of Empathy. Our show is committed to providing a generous listening, empathy, through conversations with our guests and you. Every issue deserves to be heard and thought out empathically. When it is properly sorted out, it becomes a solution rather than a problem. In Lou's program, his goal is to help you through conversations, which in turn can help your relationships and other aspects of your life. A Rumor of Empathy can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Where can you find a forum to help you make the best decisions in your everyday life? Listen for An Hour of Empowerment with Charles Haywood Ellis III. Each week, the program will cover a wide variety of topics you've asked about from self-improvement to finances and matters as varied as education and urban violence. An Hour of Empowerment can be heard live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to stop by every week. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Erica Jacoby, the founder and CEO of LC Global. She has been sharing her perspective on potential and dreams and identity, all these things that she's been focused on in her own personal life and also deals within within her business. And I told you that just before the break that I wanted to hear you speak more about the work that you do at LC Global. I mean, you've described it as helping organizations tap into their truest potentials by aligning their behavior with their strongest business identity. Of course, I love that. What a great tagline. But can you say more about the work that you do in your business? Absolutely. Well, maybe I can start with the name LC Global. The LC stands for Leadership and Change, and I do believe that we need that healthy agency slash leadership um, worldwide, uh, internationally, globally, uh, to evoke change in in this world. And um, I found out with my background um, in management for for longer than not, and now with, with my journey as a scholar in organizational development, um, that I could help organizations best go and maneuver through through change processes and um, and I do believe that we need a healthy agency in order to make true change come true um, and that can or cannot be a very transformational experience just as much as we described it for individuals before um, in the in the former section. Mm-hmm. So my my take on change is really maybe a bit su- surprising for many because I very often walk into organizations and really say, okay, you're calling me in to, to change a whole lot, but is it really that much that we have to change or should we not really first really, really understand what it is that we have? And that also relates back to my personal journey. I could not have made any change in my personal life had I not understood what I am truly about. And I always think if you work with a big organization, then you have a a real big problem understanding what is the identity of the organization. Um, And once you understand what is the identity of the organization, what are the success factors, what makes the organization so successful, and how will people recognize those success factors after the change. So I always say before we change something, I want every single member of the organization to understand what the organization is all about and what makes it so successful and what are the values of the organization and not only those pretty words that we write in the mission statement and so on. Um, Those are literally easier said than done, but for me it's really important that the collective becomes aware of what makes that organization a powerful organization and how they can do more of that. And that is very, very much also the journey I went through as an individual beforehand. And I think that's why, maybe because of my own personal experience, next to the research I've done, I think I can really, really relate to what an organization and 
its members are going through because I think we're talking a deep, when we're talking change, I think we're talking vulnerability. So when people experience change, they are in their most vulnerable state. And that is also true for companies, for organizations. It's not as easy as to simply change something all the time because you may lose money, you may lose your identity, you may lose your reputation. Um, Of course, you may also gain all of those things, but for sure not without um, the same soul-searching and the same hard work. So I always think my approach to change is let's find out what we have to preserve while we're going through the change. And when people are connected to positive things that make them them, that that make or break their identity and they're connected to that positive part of their identity, their values, and they know how to translate that into action, then I think wonderful things can happen that either are, that, that can either start from let's keep everything as is, but we're more aware of what we're doing, to let's change things, um, but we're more aware of what our our identity is like, to let's innovate markets and let's do something entirely new, something that hasn't been done before. But also hear the message, whether you're an individual a person or whether you're a company, none of this can be done without taking some time, which in a in, a, in the case of a company, will cost money and resources. So we're, we're talking time and we're talking hard work. It's hard work and it's facing your vulnerabilities, whether you are an individual or whether you are a, an organization. It doesn't matter. We're talking all of that before we get to the other end. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, Erica, listening to you, you really do seem to be uniquely qualified to work in the field that you're working in. And I've heard you say before that organizational development on a systemic level really suits you. I feel like that's what you've been talking to. Is that fair to say? Yes. I've always been very, very interested in systems change, um, how systems react. So uh, this is, of course, organizational development lingo. I'm sorry. What I mean by a system is the the bigger the bigger system the bigger environment we're all functioning in so there is no not a single company that doesn't have many many levels uh, we we have different departments we have uh, different cultures in those departments we have markets out there we have um, requirements by the government uh, we have legal issues we have uh, market restrictions and all of those things so this is what we call a system and in that system we have people that are functioning in in that system and on many, many different levels. And before we touch anything, I always say it's like going to the hairdresser. It's better to discuss these things before you start actually cutting hair off, right? Because you can't glue it it back on. So before we touch anything, before we change anything, I think we need to really, really, really think through all the effects that a change could have on all the systemic levels. And, of course, you can also think this to to death. Um, 
so the approach that I have is not to think what could go wrong, but how do we take the the values of each and every single level of that system? How do we make the collective understand that we really have this identity and which which actions it, it translates into? How do we see that we live this identity? And then play out, play the entire scenario out, how it could work in the new scenario, if that makes sense. So I'm not looking at what's not working well. I'm looking at what's working extraordinarily well and how we can do more of that in the, in the future um, under potentially changed circumstances. But if we lead people into new circumstances, if we change something, we need to help the people become functional again. Mm -hmm. Um, and really understand that in this new environment, they can do their work like this, and they can do meaningful work in the new environment and purposeful work, um, and they can keep their identity. Otherwise, it's not going to work. I think there is a difference between change for the sake of changing, and there is sustainable change, and I think sustainable change can only happen if people in the organization will also keep the best parts of their identities. And that's pretty much the work that I'm doing. And um, I love that work. I hope it, it shines through. It's it, because you get in touch with, with the potentials um, of the individual members of an organization and with the entire organization. Because I think in our society, companies can bring about so much positive change that I truly, truly, truly love working with companies on how that can happen, how they can create their own positive realities and how they can help make this world a better place. Again, Erica, it strikes me that you really are uniquely qualified to do the work that you do and that I do, it does come through that you love your work. And I can imagine that each organization is is enriched because of their work with you and probably that's why you get to keep doing more business. Um, but I, I certainly am beginning to see in this conversation that you really are. I mean, I, I can see it actually even in just this short time. I, I feel like I can I can start to visualize this ongoing um, cycle of ongoing deepening of and the evolution of your own values. I mean, you're, you're, it's as if you're hardening them, right? Maturing them, which is an ongoing process, as we know. It never really ends. But what I'm getting from this conversation here is that you have had to navigate a lot of challenges to, to come through and make these changes that you've done to try to live more deeply and closely to your values in a more meaningful vein. I want to make sure, though, and capture everything about this this journey that you've been through that's important, though, is there anything else that you want us to understand about what you've come through that have, that's been meaningful or important to you to come through where you are today? Yes, there is one thing that just sprang to mind when you were doing the summary. Um, when I was in the middle of making all those changes, when I had restructured my company in Germany, when I had started the PhD program, um, when when I was right in the middle of that, I was sort of looking back and I was thinking, what have I done? You know, I first a master's in languages, then I do this, and then I do that, and then I do something else. And then I had um, what we would later on call a mind walk with one of my professors, my mentor, 
at Fielding Graduate University um, by the beach. And remember, I love water so much, so that always helps me think and always uh, helps me uh, shape some wonderful thoughts. So I told that wonderful professor um, about my the changes that I had made and how how I perceived those changes. And uh, then he said to me that it is important to understand your own life story. And he said, again, all of this is based on research, that it is important for, that there are practically two ways of understanding your life story. One is to see your life story full of discrepancies and like interruptions. And another way is just to see it as a continuum. And those are two opposing ways of seeing your life and reflecting about your life. And he said to me, not that one is better than the other, but how about you narrate your life story in a continuous way? And then I started narrating and thinking about the journey that I was just experiencing in an entirely different way. So what could have sounded like, oh, I first did a language and uh, I first did a master's in literary theory and, and languages and then I opened a language school and then I did learning and development and then now I'm in change management. All of a sudden I feel everything is falling into place if I just narrate the story in a different way. Because now, believe it or not, in my dissertation, in my research for my dissertation, I'm utilizing all the skills I have for my first master's. And of course, we're talking organizational development, so I'm using all the practical experience that I have as, uh, as a CEO of a company of a relatively big company for, for 20 years. So I'm leveraging all of that. And I've learned to, while reality, of course, hasn't changed. It still is what it is. But I learned to narrate the story in a different way rather than saying, oh, I did this and then I did this. All of a sudden, it all makes sense. And it, I perceive it now as a very, very strong continuum of lifelong learning again, my identity, and someone who really loves challenges and is a doer and starts doing things. And when she sees that she wants to change something, she will change it and make use of all the skills she has. Um, and if you learn to describe your or narrate your, your own life story in a way that it actually makes sense to you, then I think you will get a lot of power and energy from just narrating your, your story in a different way. And the research that I'm doing right now, believe it or not, is the stories organizations tell about themselves um, and how we can narrate organizational stories in a, in a more effective way so that the organization has more power and more energy because I truly believe that the... Um, that that thought, what an organization or a person can be, will really drive you to make the right decisions. Wow, Eric. Erica, what a fantastic way to finish. We, we are coming very close to the end of the hour here, and that was a 
perfect crescendo of a finish. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Shen, if I can say that. Uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, just a couple things that I took from what you said here. Just there are so many things that you said that I think are important, Erica. But, you know, it's the importance of being connected to your dreams or what's really important to you. Going through the process of getting, getting connected to them is, is part of what you've narrated here. And finding a way to live those dreams. And, and really, we've been talking about this is the world of work. So monetizing them, some way to make money at them. And then thriving. And your journey shows us just that. So, so many great things there. I also appreciated that you were able to narrate your your values the way that you were. They were so crisp. And I think when we can do that for ourselves, to being able to to crystally say what it is that we we want and value in our lives is huge. And and then also this notion that, you know, let's face it, change is vulnerability. I've never heard it said that way before, Erica, but that is exactly right. So those are just some of the pearls I got from what you said today. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. For you listeners who'd like to learn more about Erica, please do visit her website. It's www.lc-global-us.com. It's been a great conversation. I'll look forward to seeing you next week. Remember that work is one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.